Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs show on 98.7 ESPN. All right, BJ. So something happened this week. I saw permeating social media that that bothered me just because I thought it was so ridiculous. When you watch what happened to the Eagles, their demise, and how the Cowboys fall flat on their face uh, last week at home against the Packers, there seemed to be this growing sentiment that just by virtue of what we had witnessed, the Giants had closed the gap on these two teams. And I thought it was foolish. Because say what you want about the Cowboys, they they haven't lost to the Giants since 2016, since Dak's rookie year. And they destroyed them both times they played the Giants this year. The Eagles, I get, gave one away and, and got waxed the final week of the season. They didn't but, give anything away. No, I, I mean, give, I, I didn't mean, I didn't mean to insinuate they, they they played off when the Giants deserved that one. I didn't mean it in, in that sense. I mean, I mean, like they they were hemorrhaging the rest of the season, or you know, post week twelve they were hemorrhaging. They lost that game, but they still have beaten the Giants thirteen of sixteen. They played them in the playoffs last year and won by thirty one points. So my point is. I understand the Eagles have their issues, and it looks like Sirianni's coming back. The Cowboys have their their flaws. McCarthy's definitely coming back. But this idea that by what we saw, it means that the Giants closed the gap is it's insanity to me. It's insane. Now, I don't think the I don't think the Giants have closed any gap on anybody. Um, I don't know what we need though. We got. I mean, we want to continue. Tell what I'm tired of. And I think I'm probably going to be tired of this until my son is in the draft, until they're blaming him. we got to get out of continuously every single year talking about the offensive line. <laughs> yeah, man. Every single year is the offensive line this, the offensive line that, the offensive line that's like, when the, it's easy to point the finger at the line. I get it. When you don't know anybody else to point the finger at, right? It's easy to point the finger at. at the, well, Daniel, well, well, Daniel Jones had you know a bad game. Well, that's because he's running for his life. That offensive line sucked. You know what I mean? Or uh, Saquon Barkley hadn't had the year he had been having. Yeah, that's because that offensive line sucked. When are we gonna find another thing? Because we cannot keep drafting offensive linemen in the first round year in year out and getting the same result. Yeah, I mean, you hit on. I don't on, know what to do. You, you hit on. It looks like you hit on uh, John Michael Schmitz. Uh, he ha- had some injuries this year. Andrew Thomas, same deal. But you're right. I mean, the Evan Neals of the world. Like it's the same for both the Jets and the Giants. You keep expending these high picks on linemen who just don't amount to to much of anything. So uh, I just wanted to point that out. Like the Giants. We have no idea what they're going to do in this draft. Are they taking a quarterback? I, I think they should. They're taking a wide receiver. They're taking a, a wide receiver in this draft. So, so what's what are they doing? What are they going to do at quarterback? They're probably going to get somebody in the later rounds. Oh, they'll draft, but they, at some point they're going to get their next quarterback. Yeah, at some point they're going to draft a quarterback, and they're going to draft a quarterback somewhere within these what six picks, seven picks that they have, eight picks, however many they have. They're going to get a quarterback. Yeah, because, they might they might they might get lucky and get a Brock Purdy. Who knows? Yeah, because they currently don't have a franchise guy. Like, even if you are someone who you're still holding out hope for Daniel Jones that he can reach whatever his ceiling is. You well, the way to. they constructed that, the way they constructed his contract shows it, it says it all that he's not their franchise guy. Yeah, and not just that, but I, I'm just talking to like the most ardent Daniel Jones supporter. Like, if you you're still putting some eggs in that basket, you have to be concerned that this guy is always hurt. 
He's had two significant neck injuries. He's torn his ACL. He can't stay on the field. He's had one season where he, he was able to, to, to put it all together, and that was last year. Because the biggest question marks coming into last season were turnovers and the injuries. And he answered that, which he was able to parlay into a contract. But at, at this point, I think the writing is on the wall uh, that he's not the answer. And you're especially in that division... Where again, say what you want about Dak Prescott. Say what you want about Jalen Hurts. Those I don't have guys, anything bad to say about Dak Prescott. Those guys anymore. keep beating y'all. So I don't have anything bad. Dak Dak Prescott has shut me the hell up. Oh, he, he did. Had, he did. He had. He now. Granted, they didn't win anything other than the, uh, other than the division. Yeah, but your and prediction before a, the year was he was yeah, going to be a backup quarterback somewhere. Absolutely, and and, and he. Outside of that playoff game that that he had, the you know against the Packers, Dak Prescott has had the best season he has ever had in his career this year. Yeah, he he was and sensational. I can't say any, can't say anything else about him. Now the whole backup thing that just goes to not from his play. It's just because of the, financially, will they pay him the type of money? He's going to get he paid. Wants? Jerry's going to pay him. You think so? Yeah. There's there's uh, and even if you are someone who doesn't believe they should, they don't have an alternative. They're too good. To, to draft any of, of the top guys. And they, they, they have a roster that's ready to win. Now, what you have to be concerned about is CD's got to get paid. Micah's got to get paid. Yeah. Dak's got to get his new contract. So at some point, you're going to start to lose some of these pieces. But it, I don't think Dak's going anywhere. Yeah. Well, I tell you what. They, they're going to, like just like the San Francisco 49ers, they're going to have to start putting money in places. You know, guys are going to be up. I said, like I said, I think it was the dumbest thing ever to bring Chase Young to the San Francisco 49ers because you got to pay him. They're going for it, though. You could understand them doing that. They're they're going for it. They're, they're in yeah, a win-now I, mode. I, I, well, I guess it's good to have now, and if you don't win with him, then you let him go on his merry way when it comes time for free agency. Yeah, but. especially if they do win with him. Then you can yeah. just, all right, you, got the, you helped us get the job done. Thanks. So right. I understand that move. I would. Right, so Brock and Brock Purdy, this is what year year two. So we got they got another year with him on a rookie contract. Man, I so this past week before we get back to the phone calls eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. I mean, we did get a little bit more insight uh, into the Brian Dable Wink Martindale relationship. It was a pretty scathing piece on the head coach of the Giants, who now comes into year three with a ton of pressure. And I think if they draft a quarterback. This offseason, it buys him more time because you're pretty much clinching that he'll be here for at the very least the next two years. You don't want to switch out a coach after a quarterback's rookie season. But if they don't, then, I mean, he's got to be on the hot seat. I, I, I think that the issues with Wink Martindale regarding the philosophy, how players were handled, when you, you know, when you put that in conjunction with the fact that you've already fired your special teams coordinator, your offensive coordinator might get a head coaching job. You could be looking at three different head, uh, three different coaches on this staff next season, which means all that pressure is on you. That light is shining brightest on you, and now you become the guy who everyone's looking at if things go haywire next season. So uh, I just think that— How is the offensive coordinator of the Giants up for a head coaching job? <laughs> it's amazing, right? They were one of the worst offenses in football. Um, and then it was like at least twice throughout the season, he got his play calling duty stripped from him. Right. And, and visibly, visibly, 
to the people. Yeah, we saw it. You know what I mean? Uh, that 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 that's probably the only thing about uh, Dable that I would probably change is his antics on the sideline during the game. Yeah, I don't love it, man. That's probably it. I don't know how else. I, I mean, I've talked to the guy. He seemed like a great guy, great coach. But the antics on the sideline with the coaches and the players, I, I think that can change. Cause yeah, I think, you know, people don't necessarily – I think the perception that people see when you see that, it, it shows just what's happening. And when the when the player goes and look at that, goes and rewatch the game and look at that, it, it kind of it, it kind of put could, can put a bad taste in his mouth and be like, wow, that did really look bad. And yeah. I talk to him about you know what I mean. And it's something that so, it's something that you can ignore if the team is winning, right? Because it's funny how right. the results alter your perspective on it. If they're winning, it's called passion. If they're losing, it's called you know temper. Uh, your temperament is de- detrimental. So you know, just taking a look at this piece, uh, one of the one of the um, uh, one of the statements that this article said is that on game day he's a madman. It's just brutal. The source said of Dable, it's to the point where you've got to take your headsets your headsets off or take one ear off. He's just constantly screaming. It's like, geez, I can't even think. So I mean, this guy just got on the job. I, I get he's got a ton of experience as an assistant, but like this being said about you after two years on the job, especially coming off of a six and eleven season, it's not a great look. Possibly having to replace three of your coordinators, not a great look. Right, right. So you got to replace three of your coordinators. You know, I guess offensive coordinator, you could probably rest a little bit on that because that's something yeah. that 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 he is. He's offensive coach. So I mean, I I, I get that. Um, I don't know. I don't know what the giant. The Giants are in a weird place to me, man. Like. I think their players are. I think the Giants have good players. Now, don't don't like don't get me wrong. Like, I don't think we have a. Um, I don't think. Well, I shouldn't say I don't think we have a big play wide receiver. I mean that that's. We got guys on the team that that play the position, right? Everybody's paid to do what they need to do. Mm-hmm. No, I, I think I think a Malik Neighbors would be perfect on the Giants team, right? But yeah. again, we are not addressing the problem that we consistently have every year. Offensive line. Right. Eight hundred now. That's 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 on J. Um, Joe Shane. He, that's on Joe Shane. But also, you've had throughout the years, you've had all these different offensive line coaches as well. None of these guys are getting the job done. When are we going to look at that? Like when when are we going to look at the choices that we're making? You know, bringing certain coaches in that that hasn't really, you know, done anything or or, or had a. What was a coach on a on, you know on a team that won a Super Bowl in in the last ten years that's on the streets looking for a job at at offensive line like when like when did that stuff like when do we start looking at that versus blaming the players right we blame the players all the time because they're the ones in the position to do it but you know the coaches matter the yeah. certain coach you bring in matters coach yeah. that be able to and that and that, and that you know in college you talk about developing talent mm-hmm. high school you talk about developing talent in the nfl there is no developing talent you know there is no developing none of that you you got to make the right choices off rip and, and and let them go play make the choices off the rip and put your guys in best position to succeed right. which we haven't seen uh the giants for the most part over the last decade be able to do let's hit mark and miniola what's up mark Hey, guys. Um, I'm a little under the weather. Good afternoon. Looking forward to the games later. want to talk to you. I know you're talking mostly Giants, but the Jets head coach. So this guy 
uh, has been the head coach three years. He has not had a winning season ever as a head coach. Mm-hmm. He has never made, never won a playoff game, has never gotten the team to the playoffs. And in the middle of the season, there were about four or five games where he completely lost the team. So you have Mike Vrabel out there. Why aren't the Jets on the phone, uh, you know, at least having a discussion with him? And if Harbaugh is available, they 100% should get him because that is a, you know, four- to seven-year project versus Aaron Rodgers holding them hostage for one year. And I'm looking forward to Aaron Rodgers next year. I can't wait to see this whole project. But you can't, you know, implode the team you know, for the next five to seven years because of one player may not like that you uh, want to make a smart move and change up the coach. Yeah, so... Anyway, thanks for listening to me. I appreciate it. Oh, yeah. Pre- appreciate the call, and I hope you feel better, man. Enjoy the games today. So here is Mike, the harsh Mike truth. Is not a, is not a good fit for the Jets. That it, won't work out. Whatever you think about Vrabel, like what we do know is Vrabel, Carroll, Belichick, Harbaugh, those guys are all out there. We thought for some time Tomlin could be available. The, 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 the harsh reality for the Jets is that you they're all in on next season. So you want Joe Douglas to blow this thing up and go get – like it, it's similar to the whole uh, should he draft the quarterback conversation. Joe Douglas is not interested in the future of the Jets. He's on the hot seat entering next season. He's 30 games under five hundred as a general manager. He's got four straight 10 – Plus lost seasons, haven't made the playoffs. He hired a head coach who right now is 18 and 34. His concern is not the future, it's not the next quarterback, it's not a guy who's going to come in and instill this, this right you know, now. new program going forward. It's next season. So he has to operate with the mentality of what's going to best help me next season. And that's led by, for better or for worse, a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who's 40 who right. does not want to learn a new offense, who wants to retain this offensive coordinator. They got embedded with this guy, so now they have to see it through. And the quandary is, like, because of how last season went, like, this is, this is like your, 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 your last chance to, to, to go for it. It's your last chance. You're on your final leg. We got to be all in. Everyone's got to be on the same page. And best we can see, Rodgers, Sala, Douglas, they're all on the same page with Woody Johnson that this is what they want to do going forward. Right, all in now, you know, uh, and, and 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 next season could give him another, you know, could actually buy him another couple of years to try and build the team up to where it needs to be. Yeah, but if they right make now, the playoffs he, and they, go on a run, yep, they got to win in twenty twenty four. They have to beyond the big Absolutely. game. Beyond the big game is now open at Paley Museum in Midtown. The Blockbuster Super Bowl exhibit features everything from Vince Lombardi. A trophy, all 57 rings from each championship team, helmets, jerseys, and more from Super Bowl legends, and a spectacular showcase of memorable Super Bowl commercials. The exhibit is open through March 3rd. For more information, visit PaleyCenter.org. 800-919-3776. We'll continue to talk Jets and Giants. Chris Canty joins us at the bottom of the hour. Ty Butler, Brandon Jacobs, on to 2 o'clock right here on 987 ESPN. Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacobs show on 98.7 ESPN. New York City, you are now rapping. 50 Cent. I just want to hit the line. You drive me crazy, Jody. You're not going to jump in, Brandon? I'm waiting. Mm-hmm. I'm not. You, you should hey. stop all your head, Ty. It's, it's not very good for oh, you. Oh, yeah, hating on the kid. 
Yeah, yeah it's about. it's the Lord's day. Y'all still out here hating? Get that hate out your heart. Ty Butler, Brandon Jacobs on the year till two o'clock, right here on ninety eight seven ESPN eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. We will talk to Chris Canty uh, in about ten minutes or so. Let's go to Justin in Tom's River. What's up, Justin? Hey, Ty. Hey, Brandon. Thanks for taking my phone call. As always, you know. Coming into this offseason, you know, it's obviously a make-or-break offseason for Sal and Douglas. And, you know, one of the things that, you know, I'd like to talk about is with Bryce Huff. You know, the guy is probably the best pure pass rusher Jets have had probably since John Abraham being yep. a double-digit sack guy. And the fact that he's a homegrown product and he comes out and he says he does not going to take a homegrown discount, you know, I, I understand that you want to take care of your business and you want to get your contract settled. But, you know, the Jets can't afford to let him walk out the door for nothing. And the fact that he only plays 50% of the snaps – on defense, you know, what's your take with the Jets bringing him back? I want the Jets to bring him back, but also at the same time, you can't let him walk out the door for nothing. We all do, man. He's going to cost a lot of money, though. So you're, you're talking at starting at 17 to 20 a year, and I just don't know that they're going to commit that uh, to him. And they'll they'll feel good about Will McDonald, who, I mean, it was a mistake to take him, but he's going to be able to slide in and, and replace Huff. But I'm with you, man. I, I have nightmares about losing Bryce the Jets Huff. Identity, I, I know with Rodgers coming back, but the Jets' identity has always been that, with, you know, with that running game and that defense. And I know Brees Hall is a bell cow. I think he's going to be the best running back in the league next year. The guy is an absolute animal. And then the Jets with that pass rush, it's gonna be, he's going to be missed with him and Jermaine Johnson if, if Bryce Huff ain't there. Yeah, Jermaine Johnson had a great year. So you, you'll have him at the edge. Will McDonald will come in, and hopefully we'll see him um, be more involved this year. But uh, considering the, the the holes they have on the offensive line, need more skill position players uh, for thought, for that offense, it's, it's going to be hard for them to keep uh, to keep Huff. I thought all you guys needed was Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> That's what we thought, man. That's what we thought. No. That's what we thought. But unfortunately, that thought was erroneous. Let's hit Mitch in East Windsor. What's up, Mitch? How you guys doing, Ty? Brandon, thanks for taking the call. Hope what's up, man? Well. Yep, what's up? Hey, Brandon, um, USC could use some offensive linemen. If your um, son can look over there, they need, they need all the help they can get. Um, <laughs> hey, with the Giants, I hope they take a quarterback. And if I see, uh, I saw a mock draft. I know it's just a mock. Um, J- Jaden uh, Daniels going to the Saints. I would jump on him. I would trade off. The Bears are taking Caleb Williams. If not, I'd love to see. I don't know if the Giants have no assets. But the uh, Giant Bears got their Caleb with the Giants be able to get uh, Jalen Daniels. And I also like that wide receiver from Washington, uh, Rome. Well, they have three guys uh, that look like first-round picks here. But I think Rome is the best. Rome, Adesia, what do you think? And uh, thanks for taking my call. I like Jaden. I, I like Jaden Daniels. I mean, I know we said the Giants won't take a quarterback, but. I like Jaden Daniels because he brings so much more. He did. This guy is is such a is such a, a dynamic uh, athlete and a dominant player, in my opinion. That the LSU Tigers had to fire the whole defensive staff because they were no longer could score as much points that Jaden that that Jaden Daniels was was able to score. Right, their defense was just fine all year, giving up a lot of points. They giving up thirty five points, but what they scoring forty five points. Now that now that you no longer have a guy like that, now you fire your whole defensive staff, and you know you got a pocket quarterback that won't go anywhere. So Jaden Daniels was so dominant at LSU. It's it's I think he'll be a great pick for the Giants. I think the Giants need a a dynamic, dual threat, explosive guy like that as a position, if they were in the market for one. But again, he's a first round draft choice. He won't be there for the Giants to take 
if they don't move up. Right. If they don't move up. Let's hit Omar in Bethlehem. What's up, Omar? Hey, what's going on, Ty Brandon? What to do, baby? What's up? What's, up? what's going on, fellas? So I want to say I'm a big Niners fan. Been a Niners fan since '98, <laughs> so I'm not one of these bandwagoners. And Brandon Jacobs, I did appreciate your time on the Niners. Um, what I wanted to ask is, it sounds like a lot of people are really down on the Niners. Um, I was listening to Anita, and she thought the Packers were going to beat them. I wanted to know: Do you think that they can still win the Super Bowl, even if they win and match up to the Ravens? Or the Ravens would still be too much. Any listen in the playoffs, anything can happen. Just like they almost lost to Green Bay, man. you know what I mean. Anything can happen in the playoffs, man. You can't be sure one way or another. You know, I had Cleveland Browns pick going to the Super Bowl. I think the Ravens are the best team. I think the Ravens are the best team as well. But you, 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 you but we, we said the Patriots was the best team in two thousand seven too. Right? Yeah, of, of course. Of course. None of that one, matters in the playoffs. In a one and done situation, matters. anything can happen. I just think so far, you know, given what we've seen the entirety of the season, starting with week one, the Ravens have the best resume. They 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 played the Niners head to head and blew them out. Mm-hmm. The Ravens had three losses this year. For, they they led in the fourth quarter of all three of those games. So. Uh, their their issue has been closing the deal sometimes, but just when you look at, I mean, the ferocity they bring defensively, they held the Texans yesterday to zero points in the second half. The Texans, who just last week lit the Browns' defense up, they held them to zero second-half points. The Texans, zero red zone appearances yesterday. That all, That Ravens' defense is scary. And then when you have a, a confident Lamar... Who can just play with ease and not have to worry about, yeah, my one and three playoff record. He finally was able to slay that dragon of, you know, getting that quarterly win and playing his best in the postseason. That is a very dangerous team, obviously. They're the one seed. They should be dangerous. But uh-huh. it's a different version of Lamar Jackson that we've seen in the past. Let's hit Dave in the car. What's up, Dave? Hey, what's up? You know, I, I, I looked at these teams yesterday that were winning. And the thing that they keep screaming that you see is that they have a culture. And I started thinking about the Jets and the Giants. And I don't think people really get it right now, so I'll bounce this question off you. When you have a culture, you keep talent. You don't have to necessarily worry about breaking the bank for a guy like Huff. But a guy like that who's putting his body out there, he's going to look the other way because he knows that next year is a one-and-done. It's like... Best case scenario, he signs for one year, and then the Jets try to make a serious run at going all the way. But then it's done. They're not going to win the Super Bowl, and they're going to clean house. It's the same with the Giants. I don't think that's why. I don't think that's what Huff is looking at, um, Dave. Huff's an undrafted free agent. He's got a chance to cash in. So why is he taking a penny less than what he deserves when he had that phenomenal of a season? I don't think it's about you know looking at the championship window. It's about, no, I'm going to go to the team that pays me the most money. I got you. Maybe he wasn't the best example, but what I'm trying to state here overall for both teams, I don't see, is there any way that you, uh, uh, Mr. Jacobs, you see a way that the Jets or the Giants are not in a situation, next year Rodgers doesn't win the Super Bowl, they're going to blow it up. The Giants next year, Dabo's fighting for his job with the Giants. People who are assistant coaches with him have basically disengaged from him and he might lose another coach. So I don't see any of these teams in New York 
building anything formidable at least for the next three to five years. Am I wrong to have that mindset? Well, they're in a situation, you know, um, like you know, like the Jets, right? When you talk about the Jets, you know, like we discussed earlier in the show, right? They're not looking past year, you know, year twenty-four. They're not looking past that year. They have to win next year. They got Aaron Rodgers on the on the team on on the contract for one more year. You know, you should be, you know, to, to you know, healthy. They have because if they don't go out and win next year. They're gonna. They won't ask Aaron Rodgers to come back. They're gonna blow up the whole. The, the coach and the GM is gonna be fired. So none of these teams are looking forward. They, you know, the, the, the you know, like, like quite frankly, the NFL isn't a build league. They don't give you time to build anything. They want to win now. Everybody, you you're going to the draft and free agency, and you're getting players that's ready to play. There's no time for for no rebuilds. That, 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 it's not. Like, look at the Texans. They got this team the first year they had this team, the first year head coach and a rookie quarterback. They they went to the divisional round. No one is building teams. Everybody has to live on the year that they're going that, that that they're in and the next one that you know that they're going to. Whatever you think you got as a coach or a player that's guaranteed, that's what you work on. No one's building no team and, and looking for three for the next three to five years down you know, down the line. No one is doing that. Yeah, there's such a level of urgency now that's that you know, the patience is gone by the wayside. Eight hundred nine one nine three seven seven six. Chris Cancy joins us next right here on ninety eight seven ESPN. Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacob show on 98.7 ESPN. Every day's a Jay-Z day. Here we go. We got the hove on the program. Ty Butler, Brandon Jacobs, divisional Sunday in the NFL. We're breaking it all down. Get victories by the Niners last night and the Ravens yesterday afternoon. So we're geared up for today's action with the Lions. Chance to get to the NFC Championship game, man, for the first time since 1991, taking on a Bucks team. Uh, that's been a fun story. Then, of course, tonight, juicy matchup between the Chiefs and the Bills. So, of course, we got to go to our phone lines and get it popping with Chris Canty. He of Unsportsmanlike. You can listen to him every morning nationally from 6 to 10 a.m. Every single day he's on television as well, ESPN2, ESPNU, with Evan Cohen and Michelle Smallman. What's up, Chris? What up, Ty? What up, Jake? How y'all doing, man? Man, ain't too much, man. Good to hear from you, my brother. How you doing? I'm good, man. Just enjoying the best football weekend in the calendar. Weird division round weekend, and yesterday did not disappoint. The Ravens got a big win. Uh, kickers proved that they're not football players last <laughs> night in the Packers 49 game. And uh, looking forward to some great matchups today. What did Lamar Jackson prove yesterday with that performance? Four touchdowns, 100 rushing yards, 152 passing. I thought the best playoff half of his career in that second half in a W to get to the championship game. What did he prove? Well, he checked the box. Uh, I mean, think about it from this perspective. This guy is going to have his second MVP in a matter of weeks. Multiple MVP winners wear gold jackets. Unfortunately for Lamar, he hasn't had the postseason success to go along with the individual accolades. And so I think yesterday was a step in the right direction in terms of him being able to have a performance that puts his team in position to compete for a title. So uh, I don't want to read too much into it, although it was an historic performance. I mean, think about it. He had two rushing touchdowns, two passing touchdowns, 100 yards rushing, and over 100 passing rating. First quarterback to ever do that in the Super Bowl era. Like, that's, that's absolutely phenomenal. So, I mean, the ability to be able to adjust in-game at halftime, find answers for the blitz that the Texans were bringing in the first half and burn them in the second half, 
I think that just speaks to his football acumen uh, and overall his ability to trust his playmaking with both his arm and his legs. Okay, so we we sit there, Chris, and we've been talking. You know, you and I has been down this road, you know, you know, before. We're not such a great team, right? We we had to prove our greatness toward the end, and 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 with the Baltimore Ravens is super dominant. So I think I don't don't even care to talk about them anymore. I want to go to Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, and they're taking on Buffalo mm-hmm. in Buffalo, the first time on the road in the postseason for Patrick Mahomes. You know, so you know in his career. The Chiefs hadn't had a great season. If 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 Patrick Mahomes can take this Chiefs team to the Super Bowl and win the Super Bowl in the world and probably the the most down year that they've had, what does this do for his legacy? Oh, I mean, here's the thing, Jake. I I, I think it enhances it because for the first time things are not necessarily ideal and he finds a way to overcome it. So think about it. Like the time when you realized things weren't ideal for Pat Mahomes when it came to compete for a championship. Remember that Super Bowl against the Bucks in 2020? The offensive line was in shambles. Pat Mahomes couldn't find a way to overcome it. If he can somehow find a way to overcome this underwhelming receiving core and all of the missteps that they've had, if he can find a way to actually show his playoff greatness in his first true road game in the postseason in his career, I think all of those things only serve to further enhance his legacy. But, I mean, think about it. We're not comparing Pat Mahomes to any of his contemporaries. We compare Pat Mahomes to Peyton Manning, to Joe Montana, to Tom Brady, and that's about the list. There is nobody else, past or present, that we can compare Pat Mahomes to. So I do think it enhances his, his legacy from the standpoint of being able to overcome things. But it ultimately doesn't change the stratosphere that he's in, right? Because you're only comparing him to three other people that have ever played the position in the history of the sport. All right, talking to Chris Cancy, we actually played a promo uh, of your, your morning show where you hear Evan Cohen talking about Josh Allen being overrated. And I'm in lockstep with him because I think that sometimes because of his wow factor, because he's such a home run hitter, because he's must-see television, we overrate the accomplishments, right? We don't hold him to the same standard as other people, right? Because, you know, Burrow... Hold on, time out, time out. What, what, aco- what accomplishments, huh? Well, just what in the... What the hell is Josh Allen... What did he accomplish? I'm just talking about the regular season numbers. Because you're right, he hasn't won an MVP. He hasn't been to anything further than a championship game. But there is a, a large contingent of people who want to go out there and say, you know, he's the, the, sec- the first or second best quarterback in football. They want to go out there and, and, and march in this ridiculousness that he was in the MVP conversation, even though halfway through the season his team was 6-6. Six and six. But my point is I, I think this is the biggest game of his career tonight. So with that being said, what would a loss mean for Josh Allen? I mean, a loss would just continue to, uh, I guess, confirm my opinion of Josh Allen, which is a quarterback that turns the ball over way too much in order to allow his team to compete at the top of the championship level. Like, I, I contend that you still have to take care of the football in today's game. You only get the ball 10 times in a postseason game. And if your quarterback is giving away one or two of those possessions and gifting that to the opposing team, that's going to be a problem. And I suspect that that could be an issue going up against the Kansas City Chiefs today with Steve Stagnola, as Brandon Jacobs knows, Probably the best big game defensive coordinator in the last two decades, aside from Bill Belichick. 
So I, I think if Josh Allen loses today, then all of a sudden we no longer can fairly place him in the conversation with the Lamar Jacksons, with the Joe Burrows, with the Pat Mahomes. He doesn't belong in that conversation. He doesn't belong in there right now. If he can get a win and somehow continue to keep this 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 you know this streak alive uh, of what they've been able to do over the past month and a half, then then maybe we can start to entertain it. But you know, Josh Allen to me has a lot of show and prove in the postseason, and it starts by being able to get a win at home when everything is seemingly in your favor. So, you know, we've been talking about this so far, you know, since we've been on the show and, and, and in prior weeks as well with the uh, Kansas City Chiefs and the departures of important people that they've had on their team like Tyreek Hill. You know, again, like I said earlier, won the Super Bowl without him. They had Eric Bieniemy last year, won, they won the Super Bowl. But this year, offensively, they struggled big time. What are the mishaps and why, why do you think – you know, as a player, I'm going to ask you, as a player, and you got a coach like Eric Bieniemy, and to his departure, you're not doing as well. Do you think his his reasons, the, the Chiefs not doing so well, has anything to do with Eric Bieniemy's departure? I think it does. I, I think there is a little bit of good cop, bad cop on the offensive side of the ball. And it, with Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, he was more of the fire and brimstone coach. Andy Reid was more of the I'm a love up on you kind of coach. And so when, when you miss, the, the tough side of it, the side that always wants to hold players accountable for everything, I think you can get a little bit lax, and that showed up. Think about it. The, the, the receiving core for the Chiefs led the league in drops. I mean, there have been several times where we're talking about receivers from the Chiefs, whether it be Kadarius Tony, whether it be MBS, these guys lining up all sides. Those are two things that are fundamental to the position, and in Kadarius Tony's case, that all-sides penalty ended up costing you a game against the Buffalo Bills. So it would be a situation where you could have kept the Bills out of the postseason had you been able to find a way to win that game. So I just, and, and, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty, but I guess the whole point is when you don't have somebody that is holding guys accountable for the small things, um, I, I think that can manifest itself uh, in a way that undermines your season. And, you, and unfortunately for the Chiefs, they don't know when that's coming. And so that's the thing that scares me about Kansas City. But if Pat Mahomes can find a way to overcome it, I mean, think about it. For his, him to do his job, the guys on the other end of those passes have got to make the catch. If he can find a way to overcome those things, if he can find a way to overcome a little bit of slippage when it comes to Travis Kelsey's productivity and overall ability, if he can find a way to overcome the use that's a wide receiver spot, if you can find a way to overcome having to go on the road in the postseason, I think, again, it only serves to enhance his legacy. But to your point, Jace, they do miss Eric the enemy, and I'm pretty sure Eric the enemy misses them. Absolutely. Absolutely. I definitely agree with that, both of them. All right. No question. All right, Chris. So coming into last night, Shanahan teams uh, since 2017 when he took over with the uh, Niners, 0-30, when trailing by five or more points, entering the fourth uh, the fourth quarter, and we've seen what he's at, at at his disposal as far as the quarterback position. A lot of questions about Brock Purdy and his ability to deliver. Well, he delivered last night. Did he answer those questions about you know him being able to be the quarterback of a team that could win the Super Bowl, or do you still have some reservations if you had any at all? No, I still have some reservations. There was some turnover where he throws that he had in there. Uh, the Green Bay Packers couldn't capitalize on. I mean, Darnell Savage should have had a pick. He was right in his hands in the first half. 
didn't take advantage of it. I thought that game had a lot more to do with the Green Bay Packers giving it up at the end and, and Andrews Carlson, the kicker, missing that kick in the fourth quarter. Those are the types of plays that can't happen and change in the minimum of the game. So I thought it was more about Green Bay being young and inexperienced and not up for that moment in a closely contested ball game with a championship-caliber roster than it did with Brock Purdy. I mean, we, we've seen it time and time again throughout the last two years. When Brock Purdy doesn't have his full cast of characters available, he is not the same quarterback. And last night, he lost Devo Sanders on a shoulder injury in the first half. He wasn't the same quarterback. Again, there were some missed throws um, that he had. I mean, there was a throw to Ray Ray McLeod that he got a hit on the seventh cut. The guy is wide open, and he misses him. That, that can't happen. I mean, the defensive back for the Green Bay Packers absolutely falls down, and he misses him. And that's a play in the fourth quarter with your team down four points in plus territory. That's seven if Brock Purdy hits Raymond Cloud in stride. So, again, when you start talking about Brock Purdy proving that he's a championship talented quarterback, no, he's still got more to prove because there were plays out there that he should have made, throws that were layups that were not made. So I want to see him do that. And, you know, we'll see what ends up happening, who they end up facing in the conference championship game, and if they're fortunate enough in the Super Bowl. Brock Purdy, since we're talking about these two teams now, Brock, Brock Purdy, is Brock Purdy the franchise quarterback of the next five years for the San Francisco 49ers? Is he? Is, is that a question or is it a What do you think? <laughs> what do you think? I think this uh, I think this postseason will inform a lot of that. I do. I think this postseason will inform a lot of that because eventually he's going to have to graduate to a quarterback that can get it done without having, you know, some of the top-end talent that he has on his roster. I mean, Brian Curry's going to have the offensive player of the year in Christian McCaffrey. He's got the best offensive lineman in the world in Trent Williams. He's got George Kittle, who's a Pro Bowl, all-pro caliber tight end. You've got Kyle Juszczyk, the best fullback in the game. You've got Brandon Ayuk, first-round pick and wide receiver. You've got Debo Samuel, all-pro. At some point, you're not going to have all of that. And who are you as a quarterback when you don't have the deck stacked in your favor? Ty, as your buddy, Nick Wright always calls him the Avengers. Like, when you don't have all of the Avengers there, what kind of quarterback are you? And I think that's the, that's the thing that remains to be seen. Now, if you win the title – you know, all bets are off. But until he does that, there will always be that question of, is this guy a bus driver or is he a passenger? Is he a tractor or is he a trailer? What I mean by that is, is he pulling the team along or is he being dragged along by all of the other players that they've got around him? That, that is still something that Brock Purdy has yet to answer. Um, we did see him on Christmas night against a guy that is an MVP player in Lamar Jackson. Mm-hmm. He didn't go so well for Brock Purdy. Nope. So I guess my whole point is we gotta we gotta wait and see when it comes to Brock Purdy and, and, and how we're going to rate him as a quarterback and whether or not he's the long term answer for the 49ers. I think this postseason can go a long way to informing that again. They got the conference championship game at home. There is no Dallas Cowboys that they have to contend with, no Philadelphia Eagles that they have to contend with. It's seemingly all set up for Brock Purdy to get this Niners team to the Super Bowl. Like, he needs to check that box. Again, I don't think he can do anything to help his cause in terms of shaping his long-term prospects as their starting quarterback. 
but he can certainly hurt it if he ends up coming up short in the conference championship game for the Bucks with the Lions. All right, last one before we get you out of here. Uh, score pre- uh, not score prediction. You can just tell me who you think is going to win the game today: Lions, Bucks, and then Chiefs, Bills tonight. All right, so ATS, I'm taking the Chiefs and I'm taking the Bucks. I think the Chiefs will win outright. I think the Lions win in a shootout, closely contested, back and forth game. Well, there you have it. We appreciate you, Chris. Thank you for joining the show. Make sure y'all check him out. Unsportsmanlike, he does it every single morning, Monday through Friday on the network. He's on television with Evan Cohen and Michelle. Uh, Smallman does does a great job. He's on Get Up. He's on First Take. He does it all. Shout out to you, Chris Cannon. Appreciate you joining the show, man. Yes, sir. Appreciate you guys, man. Y'all need to have me on more often, man. Have me on more often. We gonna do we gonna do this again. We gonna do this again, bro. So make sure you uh make sure you don't forget about us. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's Chris Canty. Make sure you check him out. 800-919-3776. Quick break. Back to your phone calls. In or out coming up. We'll pick our games against the spread. Still a whole lot to do. So we're on until 2 o'clock right here on 9870 ESPN. Now back to the Ty Butler and Brandon Jacob show on 98.7 ESPN. Man, all I'm saying is if the Bills lose this game today, we got to stop these ridiculous uh, Peyton Manning <sighs> Tom Brady comparisons that we're trying to do with Mahomes and Allen. I I remember two years ago, Joe Burrow beat Mahomes in an AFC Championship game went to the Super Bowl. They played again last year and, and Patrick got the better of him. But, you know, going forward, if Josh Allen loses this game today, maybe the more appropriate comp is Burrow and Mahomes because that's the guy who actually beat him before. You can't go 0-3 and still have these ridiculous comparisons. Well, I mean, <clears throat> what we got to understand, man, Here's what I think with quarterbacks, and I said it. And I said it once on the show. I said it. I said it on Twitter. I'm gonna say it here again. I think quarterbacks are all overpaid because not because they're not anything with nobody around them. So we need to stop making these comparisons anyway, and more compare teams. Because I think without again, like we're talking about with Brock Purdy, but we also saw the 49ers die out without Brock Purdy as well. So I mean, you know. I guess it's a I guess it's a slippery slope when you you know when you're talking about it, but I, I think I think quarterbacks are overpaid, man. I do believe that. I mean, what hurts that argument though is when you see all, all the quarterbacks that got lost for the season, and their teams were able to. Some of them, outside of the Jets, were able to stay in it. But you know, the Bengals are no longer a contender once they lose Joe Burrow. I mean, last year, the, the the Niners they lost Purdy. They were no longer a contender. And I'm not saying Bur- uh, Purdy's on that level, but he's their starting quarterback. Jalen Hurts. A lot of their issues this year. He played, but he was dealing with a significant injury. Uh, the year of the Cowboys, uh, when Dak broke his, we fractured his ankle. Like they were eliminated because of that. So I mean. I guess you can argue to what degree they're overpaid. They're still it's still the most valuable position in all the sports. Right. Uh, <clears throat> well, I mean, I, I always say this, you know. This is why we we you know we point the finger at offensive lines and stuff. We we always refuse we 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 refuse to blame certain quarterbacks in certain situations. Not everybody get the same treatment. Not everybody gets the same treatment. I mean, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen both have more turnovers than Daniel Jones. Man, we roast Daniel Jones every chance because yeah, he's get. not he's not leading the league in, in touchdown passes. He's not, and, and he's, he's not, not winning in the playoffs. In, so, so uh, he's not winning MVPs, and he's not as talented as those guys. Right, but but I, I feel I feel what you're saying, but 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 we don't we don't we don't kill them guys for that though. We don't talk about that. We keep comparing them to greatness. 
None of those guys we talking about, Peyton Manning and Marine, them guys, they never led the league in turnovers. Never. Uh, Brett Favre did. Brett Favre, I mean, not one, this is the first time we've mentioned Brett Favre's name on air. No, we, mentioned, first time. we actually mentioned him in the first segment of the show. We, we compared uh, the pass to Jordan Love through the end of the game yesterday to Brett Favre. Oh, well, very Brett Favre-like, but I'm, I'm talking about in comparison to greatness. Okay, we haven't mentioned his name. Prior to this year, I mean, it's not like Mahomes has a history of, of throwing interceptions and turning the ball over. That's, that's, this is the aberration. All time, he's got one of the best uh, touchdown to interception ratios. Josh right, Allen's uh, going to give you that. Josh Allen's going to turn the ball over. That that's just what comes with the territory with him. Well, but, Josh Allen wasn't too bad turning the ball over in years prior. This he, year's wasn't bad. No, he's led the league in turnovers every year of his career. That's that. Now this year, it's he's gotten more, and it led to you know his his offensive coordinator getting fired. But no, that's just who he is. Since he's coming to the league every single year, he's been the leader the leader in turnovers. So why are we making these dumb comparisons with him and other guys? If that's the <laughs> I, case. That's, that's the point I was trying to make with Kansi. So who, who gives a damn if he go to the Super Bowl and win or not? He's still turn, you know, he's still a turnover machine. It doesn't change that. doesn't change that, but at least it helps him because he now has the accolade. He now gets the cachet from being a champion. Whereas right now, I, I'm with you right now. Like, I, I, I think he is a tad bit over it. He better win this game today. Better win this game today. It's, it's set up perfectly for him. I get they're dealing with a ton of injuries, but you're at home. You're the two seed. All we spent the last eight weeks of the season talking about how Kansas City's not the same team. You get a diminished version of the of the defending champions. No wide receivers. We, like this is set up for the Bills to finally experience that passing of the torch, and then we'll see what happens next week. But they better win this game today. Hour number three coming up next, right here on ninety eight seven ESPN.